here's what I wanna do today. As we move into our time of prayer and worship together, I want to start our time, I think it's most appropriate, by bringing into context and focus the Supreme Court ruling, June 26, 2015, that legalized same-sex marriage. Because I think it makes this weekend of celebrating our freedoms a very odd time for many of us as Christians here in America. Because even though most of our neighborhoods were ringing with freedom fireworks, I know mine was, and the symbols of American pride with flags and red, white, and blue as always every year, if you're like me as a Christian, throughout this weekend you may have had moments where you've been thinking more than ever, yeah, but how much freedom am I going to have anymore to worship God, to follow Christ, to live according to everything, everything the Bible teaches today? Is there a place for me? Since it's, I believe it's becoming more and more evident, folks, that we as Christians and our Christianity, along with our Bibles, are increasingly no longer welcome here in America. Now, don't say that to to scare you, because I think plenty of you are already scared enough. But I do want to say it to say, welcome to what it means to be a Christian. I think so long the White House and America has lined up so closely with church and Christians, it's our turn to actually begin to live and know what it's like to live the way most Christians have lived their whole lives. The government and laws almost are never favorable towards Christians. We've just had it so good here for so long. This is not the time to run screaming like the sky is falling. This is the time when Christians really start to make a difference. So these are exciting times, though there may be fear mixed in there. It should have already been clear to us long ago, folks. Long ago it should have been clear to us. It was to me. But the decision of the Supreme Court this past Friday and the response of our nation to that decision and the floodlights of rainbow colors splashed across the White House and all the hoopla and celebrating that has happened over the past 10 days has absolutely, I hope, blown away any fog that remained for any Christian as to whether or not we are a Christian nation. We are not. God and America are not joined at the hips. We are not a Christian nation. And so for the past 10 10 days, it's been a flood of mixed emotions for so many of us who love Jesus and yes, love America. I love America. And yes, love every other person created in the image of God, regardless of their sexual orientation or preferences. But these last 10 days, if you're like me, have left us feeling more and more like we're the ones being painted into a corner now as Christians, as hate mongers, if we continue to speak the truth in love about what God says about our sexuality, our gender, our identity, how he wants us to live, and he's good, he's loving, he knows best. And so I want you to just take a deep breath. If for the past 10 days your emotions have just been running wild, and hear this, 
you are not alone. We are not alone. God is with us as Christians in America. And God has promised to never leave us or forsake us, even as we head into a time that I believe more and more is going to be like, we're going to feel like exiles living in a land that we used to know that we don't hardly recognize anymore because of the changes at such a radical pace and dramatic pace. You're going to feel more and more like an exile in your own country. But that's okay. That is how we should have been feeling and living all along. But sometimes it takes a cataclysmic and historical event like what happened on June 26, 2015 to bring it sharply into focus. I believe June 26, 2015 is a wake-up call for the church and Christians in America. Not to become more militant, please no. Not to become more political, please no. But to do what we should have been doing all along. To pray and to love and to share the life-giving hope of the gospel and Jesus Christ. Now more than ever. This is not the time to say, oh, I'm going to become more political. we got to get more people to vote. we got to get someone different in the White House. Please stop it. The days of thinking you can legislate morality and turn the nation with politics are over, my friend. Don't hear me saying don't vote. I'm going to vote and you should vote. Keep on voting. Write letters. But don't put your hope in that. The hope is Jesus Christ. The hope is the spirit of the living God still on the move in America and he's not left us. And the hope is the powerful, life-changing gospel that changed us, right? And they can legalize same-sex marriage, but it isn't going to make a better life for people. People are still going to experience the brokenness, the depression, the toxicity, the fallout of sin. And people are going to be looking for answers and need help because they're going to think this was it. If just we could get recognized, if just we could have affirmation, if just now they've got it. Sometimes people think I'm not happy because I don't have this yet. Get ready. There are going to be some people that are sadder and more depressed than ever as they head down this path that is a path of destruction. Let's not hate them. Let's not go militant. Let's not become political. Let's have open arms that are ready to receive broken people and point them to Christ. Share the same Christ that you've experienced and the gospel that's changed your life. Get ready. So there's two things that I hope are growing in you. Not just, I feel like as I've listened to people, it's been fear and anger, fear and anger, fear and anger. And I understand. But listen to me. There's two other things that I hope will begin to drown that out. Excitement and alienation. You say, what? (laughs) Excitement. You, You remember what God said to Esther? God has raised you up for such time as this. Don't keep wishing for a different America. Oh, I wish it was back in the 50s. Oh, I wish it was more agriculture. Oh, I wish, oh, I wish. God has raised us up for such a time as this. In history, 
We get to be here. 1973, January 22nd, with the legalization of abortion was a huge turning point. This is a turning point. Some of you weren't even alive in 73. We're alive right now in this time of history to make a difference. Not to scream and yell, not to hate, not to go militant, but to be Jesus. We get to be Jesus in a day like this. Get excited. And I hope you feel more and more alienated. You say, really? Yeah, and here's why. The more you feel alienated from this country, this land, this time, the more you'll begin to feel and live the way you should have all along. We're supposed to be strangers, aliens, pilgrims. We're not supposed to feel comfortable. We should, if you're feeling odd, great. We're supposed to feel odd in a culture that doesn't agree with us, a culture that, that's not followed. Why should we expect unbelievers to live according to the Bible? They're not going to. So we get to be odd for God. And that's when you start to make it. Folks, it's only when it gets dark and it's only when meat starts to really rot that light and salt begin to do their job and make a difference. The darker it gets and the more decadent it gets, the more brightly we will shine. And never mind about us. Darkness and decadence only make the hope of the gospel and the beauty and wonder of Jesus Christ shine brighter. These are exciting times. And the more alienated you feel, the more it ought to cause you to long for home. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. You're supposed to feel odd. It's supposed to feel temporary. You, you know how much I hate camping, but it's supposed to feel like camping, all right? Some of you have gotten so settled in and so comfortable, and now you've been made uncomfortable. Good. Stop building bigger homes, buying nicer cars, just doing all the same stuff everyone else does, and get a mindset of, we're in the last days. God's raised us up for such a time. If your finances are a mess, get out of it. If you're in horrible debt, get out of it. If you can't give to missionaries and you can't support your local church, if you can't help a person with a house payment or whatever, get to where you can. If you don't have enough margin in your life to take time to meet someone at the gym and take them out for dinner and talk to them or meet a neighbor and have them over and help them with their marriage, free up your schedule cut out some sports cut out some tv but begin to live for what matters most it's time it's time and many of you live that way already don't hear me spanking you i'm so proud of you i'm so glad one of my first thoughts was oh, you sure i was i was i was i was scared but i wasn't surprised i'm surprised how many christians were surprised at the decision what is wrong with you it's like, I didn't expect this to go well. Nonetheless, it's like, now, now, I thought, I am so glad that I'm already a pastor of a church like Grace Fellowship for such a time as this that thinks of equipping and people think of reaching out to their neighbors and people are sharing the gospel and people are trying to help someone with the marriage. I know so many of you sacrifice in loving ways to help someone clean up a basement or take care of a sick friend. I am so glad to be pastor of a church like this. Because we're going to begin to be able to really make a difference. Excitement and alienation. And if you say, I don't feel ready or I don't feel equipped to live this way, then get ready. And let me suggest two ways you can get ready. Here's what's so cool. This was already on the schedule as if we'd planned it. So I could act that way. Yeah, we planned that. 
There's a class that starts next week. Next week, July 12th, 945, called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And Kent Owsley is going to lead six weeks on how to start a spiritual conversation, how to move it in a spiritual direction, how to answer people, how to connect people to Christ. Kent Owsley is one of the most loving, evangelistic people I know in our church. And he's a nurse anesthetist. He's not on staff. He does this in the marketplace as he does his job. He's good at what he does. You talk to people. I meet people at the hospital. My daughter works at the hospital. They love Kent Owsley, and they know Kent Owsley loves Jesus. And Kent Owsley connects people to Jesus while he does nurse anesthetist stuff. Get in the class, and he wants to talk to you about how do you do it with your own personality. Everyone's not the same. Everyone doesn't want to stand outside the Red Stadium and hand out tracts. I don't. But that's not the only kind of evangelism you have to do. There's all kinds of other ways. He'll talk to you for six weeks. Get in the class starting next week, July 12th, 9.45. He's using my all-time favorite book on evangelism, Becoming a Contagious Christian. We don't need angry Christians. We don't need hateful Christians. We don't need militant Christians. We don't need more political Christians. But we need contagious Christians that people would think, I want what he's got. I want what she's got. Secondly, I already said it, but if you say, I'm not ready, get ready. Get in the conference to learn how to use your Bible to help real people with real problems because people are still going to have problems and even more of them. The more the world points them down a terrible path and says, oh, you've, you, you can do that now and we'll cheer you on and we'll, we'll, we'll put rainbow colors all over it and now go to the happy place. It's not a happy place. And they're going to be broken and crushed and need help and answers Get ready to be that person that knows how to give hope and help and answers. We're not the first Christians to suffer. The first Christians to be in a culture that is at odds with what we believe and actually have legislators over us making decisions that don't agree with us. First and second Peter was written to Christians who were at odds with the culture and being persecuted. Turn in your Bibles to first Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. Look what Peter says to these Christians. Peter says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that you have. With meekness and fear, not with screaming and veins standing out in your neck, not with self-righteousness and condemnation, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you, not if, when, they're gonna defame you. When they defame you as evildoers. See, more and more folks, according to Isaiah 520, they're calling evil good and good evil. They're gonna call you evil, evil. When they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Did you know, look at me, we tend to think if I do good, I'll be blessed. Did you know you can suffer for doing good? And God says, there are people who suffer for doing evil all the time. Suffer for doing good. If it's God's will, and it is God's will, he does let his people suffer. For it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, 
that he might bring us to God. Christ suffered the just for the unjust to bring us to Christ, to God. Folks, God's gonna let us suffer unjustly to bring some other people to him. Would you be willing to do that? Are you willing to suffer? We need to have Christians who understand a theology of suffering well, that don't become hateful, angry, bitter, depressed, to bring others to God, to bring others to God. Let me show you another place. When the early church, and it didn't take long at all, in the book of Acts, when the early church began to speak about Jesus and the resurrection and live contrary to the morals and values of that time, it was sexually immoral. There were just as many problems as we have today. They began to upset the apple cart, and I mean in short order, they were called before authorities and said, stop it. You cannot speak of Jesus. Don't talk of the resurrection. Don't this, don't that, don't... They threatened them. And those Christians went back to their church family. And they didn't say, oh, what are we going to do? We got to vote in new leaders. No. They gathered together to pray and worship and remember that God is sovereign. And they, don't ha they didn't have the whole Bible, but they had the Old Testament, and they knew their Bibles. And in their prayer service, they quoted a psalm. I want us to read it. Psalm 2. Here's where they went in their Bibles. Psalm 2. Listen to what this says, and I don't know about you, but it, it stirs me, it encourages me, it excites me when I read this psalm. And I've always loved it. If you like Handel's Messiah, here's the interesting thing. There's a song taken right from this. You listen next time at Christmas when you hear that. There's a song taken right from this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. That's what the people are saying. Presidents, judges, Supreme Court, rulers. Want to see God's response? Next verse. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. That means to ridicule or mock. He mocks them. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet, here's what God says, yet I have set my king. God the Father is talking about his son. I've set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. And then God the Father says this about his son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God has already given the nations to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what men and women may, may pass his laws or do or how much they resist. Jesus is king and he's going to rule over all the nations. And everybody's going to see that one day. He's given the nations as his inheritance. Verse 9, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, here's the word of God to earthly leaders. 
Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be wise, President Obama. Be wise, Supreme Court. Be wise, judges and rulers. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. S-O-N. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Folks, listen to me. Put your trust in the God of the universe. Don't put it in politics. Don't put it in a militant campaign. Don't put it in anything else. Put, it's your choice. You gotta put it. Your emotions may be way over here. That's okay. I I disobey my emotions all the time. I hope you do too. If you wanna live for Christ, you're gonna have to learn to trample across your emotions. I'm putting my trust in God. Not based on what I see, but what I know from him and his word. And so I'd like for us to pray the way the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they said, hey, teach us to pray. He said, all right, pray like this. So I want us to stand together and I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer. But here's what I want to ask. And I know some of you may be more comfortable than others in doing this. But I've taught you before why we lift our hands. It's not to show off. It's a sign of surrender and it's a sign of desperate need like a little child with chubby arms reaching up to mom or dad out of the crib. I want you to lift your hands as we pray it. If you're not comfortable and can't quite go there, at least do this, not quite so scary. Arms out, palms uplifted, but just a sign of, Lord, we need you desperately. We're looking to you, we trust you, and we will follow you no matter what. Let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, say it again, for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Oh, let's love lost sinners. Let's stand for the gospel and let's fear God, but let's not be afraid of our mission field.